0: This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. On today's program, De Nero Washington joins us. He's CEO of Shreveport's Sportran Transit System that serves not only the Shreveport area, but some of the communities uh, around it. And he is uh, the president of his state transit association. He and I recently co-presented at a conference of small urban network transit systems wrapping around the country. And he told me when he sat down about how he wanted to improve his transit system, but decided to create what he calls the People's Plan. He went out and listened to the public with over 200 meetings, not only among riders, but also among his own employees. And he gained their input and grew a more efficient and reliable transit system with new routes, new ways of running service. He removed bus stop signs and created a real efficient system. And now, because he's built it, they are coming more and more riders. He's seen real ridership growth on his system. He'll tell you all about it on today's episode of Transit Unplugged.
1: What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort
0: Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and today we're at CTAA, the Community Transportation Association of America's Small Urban Network Conference in Athens, Georgia. And I'm excited to be with Denaro Washington. He and I just co- co-presented a presentation for all the executives from these mid-sized cities around the country at their annual conference here. And Denaro runs one of the coolest mid-sized agencies in the country in Shreveport as CEO. Thanks for being our guest today, Danero. Thank you so much, Paul, for inviting me. Yeah, Denaro, I'm real excited to talk to you today. Uh, because you have so many great things happening. First off, tell us a little bit about your transit system in general. What have you got going there in Shreveport, Louisiana? So we're, we're a mid tra- transit agency. We, we care about 3 million riders
1: a year. And one of the things we're doing is we're trying innovative initiatives to bring the public and engage the public in public transit. There in the Louisiana, we want to make sure that public transit is at, for- at the forefront and no longer in the back. So anything that we can do to make innovative initiatives, the people's vision, the people's goal, and the people's plan is definitely a part of what we're trying to put produce. That's
0: great. Tell us about the system itself, some of the metrics, how many buses, how many employees, your budget, how does it work, all that stuff. So
1: we operate about a $14 million budget each year. Um, we have about 200 employees from day-to-day operations, from bus operators to our own maintenance shop to administrative staff. We operate a paratransit a division of about 25 vehicles. We're open seven days a week, 21 hours a day. Okay, and what's the size of the city of Shreveport? The size of the city of Shreveport, we actually encompass a region there. Okay. We the city of Shreveport, the, the city of Boger City, as well as the parish of Boger and the parish of
0: Caddo. And how many people? Uh, and and, live there, and that's
1: about a four hundred thousand population area, yeah, concentrated cool. area.
0: Okay. And then, how did your system's name is Sportran? How did you get that name? So, Streetport it's, it's is actually um, short for sport, and sport is uh, short for Streetport.
1: Oh. Uh, and so, Tran is for transit. Yeah. So yeah. Mix those two together, Sporttran. I got you. That's how okay. it came about. Very good. How long have you been there as CEO? I have been there now as the CEO for six years. I've been with the agency for nine. What did you do prior? Prior to that, I worked for a company called Lumen's Armor. I looked at a lot of their safety initiatives and safety practices.
0: Okay, great. Tell us about the culture of your agency and how you've been making it more progressive.
1: So one of the things that I'm a huge fan of is, number one, is starting with employee engagement. So when I first got to the system and really took over, uh, I kind of listened. You know, three years being in uh I went from roles of director of safety to the assistant general manager to the general manager and then to the CEO role. So I had a lot of listening sessions with the employees. So you try to figure out and engage what do your employees want? That's your biggest asset. If your employees are not happy, your system, you can try to do whatever vision you want to do. Uh, you'll never push forward with that plan. So one thing we tried to do was try to figure out what could we do to engage the employees, make sure that they were happy. And then from that, we moved into progressive initiatives, listen at the citizens, listen at the stakeholders, those, those political officials. And so we put together what I call the people's plan, the people's vision, as well as the people's goals. So each thing that we do, we have to categorize under one of those, those standpoints. You know, If we're not just gonna go out and do something today and it, it doesn't fit our vision or goals because it's not what the people want. So as we build out and, and transform our system into what I consider a true regional transit system and build the goals of the people, uh, I think we're going to see great things happen over the next few years. Now, are you from Shreveport? I am from Shreveport. Yeah. From Shreveport, moved away, but uh, it's always good to come back home. And I think that's the most exciting part about what I'm doing now yeah. is is that not only am I, myself and our team, are, are making these changes and, and being very progressive, but you're able to see things happen in your own community. Right. Uh, and when you can transform your own community and, and bring things to light, that's a great thing that you can always look back on and say, hey, one day my kids are gonna be able to see this. I'm I'm doing this for my grandkids, you Mm -hmm. know? So I I always take that to heart each day. And I think when you do that each day and you go in and you're not about self, but you're about truly about what the people want, what your employees need, and you're personable, I think you become a lot more successful. And that's just been my goal throughout life and definitely throughout this role
0: as CEO of the Transit Property. That's great. So talk a little bit more about the culture and how you, how did you listen to, how are you listening now and how did you listen to your employees and what are they saying? So the culture, it's always interesting, you know, I
1: I start by, you know, and I tell people this, I start and only start our staff meets with this, you're not going to please everyone. And You're Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> he all people all the time. <laughs> You're not gonna please everyone. So when when you understand that concept, but you understand that you take those initiatives and you listen to what they've told you so far, and then you bring it back and you put it into a plan, and sometimes just being personable, you know, one of the things that I believe in, if you tell me something or you share something with me, and I'm able to put together a vision or a plan that I think addresses some of those initiatives, you know, go back and say, hey Sally, hey Joe. You know, I really appreciate this. This is what we're going to do with the information you gave me. It might not be exactly what you gave me, but I think, you know, this meets the goals and and the culture of what you're trying to set for as this agency. You're trying to set forward to make your job better. Uh, I think that really changes the culture because, number one, as I stated earlier, personable contact is, is, is huge to me because, you know, a lot of times you get to a role and you forget your employees are who truly make the agency successful. You come up with a lot of initiatives, the team comes with a lot of initiatives, but the employees don't buy into it or you don't get their feedback and kind of make adjustments around their plan, then your culture becomes a culture top-down versus a team or a family. One of the things that I say at Sport Train every day, I don't really use the word team, but I use the family. We're together more than sometimes we're with our re- regular family. Right. So we are a family. One family member's down or one family member is not in agreement, then sometimes we had to step back and take a look. You know, It's just like family. You might not always agree, but you have to love on that family member. You had to figure out exactly what we can do to make things better for that family member. And that's just kind of the way I take as in my role. Uh, if I hear family members down, I think I should check on that family member. I understand the agency sometimes get large, and you can't talk to everybody. Right. but you get a sense. You do get a sense. I think when you're truly connected with your agency, one of the things that i've I've come to realize is no matter what happens, you can tell when the culture's changed. You can tell when something's not right. You can tell when the
0: mood's mm-hmm. not right in your agency. You kind of have your finger on the pulse. Right? And,
1: and then you go and I don't start asking a lot of questions. When, when, I, when I see things are not feeling right, that's when I get out to the people. Mm-hmm. That's when I change where I'm eating my lunch at today. I'm not eating lunch at my desk. I'm, I'm going to the break room. Uh, I'm going to the employee's break room. I'm, I'm going to the bus operator's break room. I'm going to where the administration staff is eating lunch at today. I, I want to sit down and I just want to engage. And you will be, you'll be amazed just going into those settings, it opens up. People feel like, you know, we're just dialoguing about other things and then you're able to slide in. Right, and manage it by walking around in a sense, right? Yeah, Yeah. walking around, you know, and that's another thing that I do very heavily. Sometimes, some people don't like it, but, you know, I trust every director I have under me. But sometimes just being in those departments, walking out to your maintenance shops, yes. saying, "Hey, how you doing today?" Just right. walking around,
0: yeah, what's and, up? Something <laughs> <laughs>
1: wrong? And making your presence known yeah. uh, definitely opens up a culture, a culture for the employees. They feel right. like you're not. Uh, unapproachable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you walk through the shop and there's something they maybe want to tell you or show you. And sometimes it's not always bad. You know, nice. sometimes they're working on innovative initiatives right there in the shop. Us getting electric buses, you know. Mm-hmm. The guys getting their hands on electric buses now, you'll be amazed. I walked in the shop one day, you know, and they're like, oh my God, we just did this. We want to show you this. Oh my All God, right. we're, we're involved. We're doing Excited. this now. They're, they're new. And so for, I think, that changes the culture of your organization. When they see that, they can tell you something. It's not always bad, but mm-hmm. sometimes they just want to show somebody, oh my God, thank you for that training that you've given yes. us, you know?
0: That's good thing,
1: uh, right? So yeah. I, I think that has really changed the culture, you know? With us being 100% alternative fuel on our bigger heavy-duty vehicles, that has been a culture change. In 2010, when we started that change, you know, we had all diesel buses. And and we started switching to CNG buses. You know, CNG buses was the worst thing ever when you looked at it from a maintenance standpoint. So one of the things that I did was, is I had listening sessions with those mechanics in the shop. What is not working? Hmm. What don't you understand? You know, I'm sorry, go to these meetings and they tell me it's just as simple to work on the CNG bus as these bus. So what am I missing? Yeah. What value What they, they tell you. <laughs> Do you remember? That was a while ago, I know. Uh, but. Oh, but they told us a lot of things. There was a lot of things such as certain things they just didn't have the training. Okay. And understanding for. Right. Certain things that they were scared of, misinformation. They thought the bus was gonna blow up if uh-huh. they did I was XYZ. Ask you that. Yeah. They thought the bus was gonna blow up if you did XYZ. So I think some of that thing was just comforting. It's more information you have to provide that. Right? And so, so what we did was we went back and we created training programs, worked with those manufacturers to bring in additional training, oh, bring good. in resources so that they can feel supported. The same thing happened when we brought electric buses in. And I had them meeting three weeks ago now. And it was the funniest thing was is I made that exact reference. I said, some of them were saying, oh my God, I'm scared I'm going to get shot by electric buses. Uh-huh. I'm scared I'm, this <laughs> is going to happen. The bus is going to do this. If I do this, the bus might blow up. And I was like, well, you know, Many have been with us for a while now. And I remember back in 2012 and 2013, when we were having all those CNG meetings, you told me the same things. You absolutely hated CNG vehicles. We have 40, over 40 CNG vehicles on the property now. And you absolutely love them. I mean, that's the only buses you have besides the electric buses now. And that same concept. So I told them, I'm going to work on getting training. Three weeks later, actually this week, before I left the property, Monday through Thursday, uh, this week, um, Proterra is actually on site providing additional training. We made those same phone calls to say, hey, I need some assistance. And I think when you work with your vendors and your vendors are supportive of those initiatives, I think we're going to see the turn in electric buses at our property as well. I think sometimes not only are we looking at it from a mechanic side, standpoint, but we have to look at it from a bus operator standpoint. It's different. Uh, I have to look at it from a passenger standpoint. Sometimes the buses are so quiet, our electric buses, that It's definitely changed the concept uh, of them driving the bus and how they operate the bus. Some of them just are so used to hearing certain sounds and certain noises that we had to retrain them as well because, you know, some of them would be speeding in an electric bus and not even realize it because they're just used to Yeah, they monitoring to the, revving the of the they, engine. They, they they monitor the sound. So approaching stops. Buses are so quiet with, with passengers. Passengers sometimes, you know, have their their headsets on right. or whatever and they're just out and they're used to hearing the bus approach. Yeah, they uh, may have I,
0: their foot over I, on the curb, uh, curb.
1: right? <laughs> so yeah. it, so I, I think it's been a training concept for all three sectors, you know, from management to operations to maintenance, even to passengers, it's just really been a training. And I think those are the positive things. Listen to the people, listen at the culture of your organization, and put
0: action plans in place. I think everything deserves an action plan. Okay. Well, let's talk about that because you've got, you've had over the last few years, a revolutionary change in your transit system. You're, you've made dramatic changes, and now you're one of the few transit systems in America that's seeing growth in ridership. So let's talk about what your vision was. And then I'd like you to walk us through some of those steps, those 200 meetings you had and all that, how you rebooted your whole bus network, how you're bringing in AVs, all the cool things you've got going on there in a city like Shreveport. Tell us what the vision was and how you actually walked it through. I think people, most people that listen to this podcast are in the transit industry. So they're looking for someone to kind of help provide a roadmap to get to success, these new changes. So, you know, I've always heard throughout life, you know,
1: you gotta have a vision. And the vision when, you know, I actually took the CEO seat was is that it was time to make changes in the transit in Shreveport, Shreveport and Boger, and, and the reason I say that is, is because we get to a point in life where things are good because we've become stale. Mm-hmm. And we come in, we want to do our daily routines and we don't want to face adversity. So the vision was, let's get the people's vision. And let's figure out the people's vision to make that our vision, and let's push that vision forward. So the first thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to go to the community and say, just provide us feedback. As the CEO of the organization, I'm coming to your community. I want to sit down, and I want to hear what works and what doesn't work as far as public transit for you. We had some other approaches and ideas that we wanted to do. We felt like we needed some changes in routes, but that meeting wasn't the focus on that information at that point. That information was to get information from them before I start presenting the information we had. So we we took those series of meetings. We, We did about 20 of those different meetings in different communities with different neighborhood associations. Very good attendance of those. Got a lot of feedback. And we were able to come back and About three months later, we did about a 90 day later, we were working on hiring a contractor to come in to look at a transit development study. We were able to go back 90 days later to those same groups and say, we heard you. We've hired now a consultant. Uh, We want you to share some of those same ideas, but we also want to tell you some of the things that we want to do. And we start unveiling some of those things. Some of those things were taken well. Some of those things were taken, well, we don't know just about uh, that uh. yet. But we did a series of those meetings. We actually went out, had these consultants and our planning staff start engaging the public and start telling them what exactly what we wanted to do. Uh, and
0: what did you want to
1: do? We wanted to change the face of public transit. We wanted to create shorter headways. We wanted to understand what was our facilities and our and the, the, the needs that we had in the community of Gorky. We wanted to understand what passes were valuable to the public. There's a lot of things. So as we started getting their feedback in, we went in, we kind of just restructure. We designed a total restructure plan for the agency. Based on the feedback, Based on the feedback from feedback, riders? From the riders. We took that plan and we went back to those same community groups added some additional community groups and said, hey, this is what we're looking at. Before we, we presented routes, before we presented stops, we had started receiving some of their information on the executive level, so they kind of started looking at, but I didn't feel like it was time to take it to community. So we went back and started just engaging with, all right, you know, how would you feel about every four blocks?
0: Having
1: a bus stop. Having a bus stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you feel about what transit amenities do you need to bus stops? Uh, a shelter, a shelter him, benches, you know, what What do you need at these different locations? Those conversations went well. We took on average that we had to stop every block to two blocks. We said, well, looking at the national average is about every four blocks. So we kind of brought that in. We said, well, we're going to just say average. We do a stop every two blocks. We're going to say the national average is every four blocks. Can we all agree to be the happy median? Say three blocks, <laughs> right. and so it was. It was taken well by the community, and the community helped us bring our stops down from twenty six hundred down to eleven hundred, which is major. You know, and, and you were able <laughs> to position it such as
0: I didn't take out your These bus, bus stops. stops.
1: The community, I mean, the community took yeah. out the bus stops. Yeah. You know, they agreed. And one of the things that you know I consider very strongly is we invite those elected officials that represents those districts to those meetings. That's we made good. sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that I, I did was, it was a sport train meeting, but I allowed those officials to call that meeting. I asked That's those smart. officials to say, well, you call a public meeting in your district mm-hmm. to say that you're gonna be there to discuss sport train. And we allowed them to come out. So it was not only sport train officials there, right. but it was uh, city, officials, council, city right? council, parish officials yeah. there. The mayor showed up. You know. It was That's great beautiful. because... So now they're invested in it. Now everybody's invested in it. And and then when we finished and before we unveiled the, the stops to the citizens and started unveiling the routes to the citizens, I personally, would one our planning, we went out with those officials. We drove the routes. And we looked at stops. We determine where these stops are going to be. I so had you didn't, didn't take them by surprise. I didn't take them by surprise. And then we went together and presented that information. Oh, that is beautiful to me. We presented that information to those communities. So the buying wasn't just Sportran, it was buying from officials, buying from the Sportran officials, and buying from the community. So we all agreed. At that point in time, back in 2017, we made these changes. We actually went from 2,600 stops down to 900. We're mm. back up to 1,100 now. Yeah, It's just based on we had some needs and some communities that we need to do some things in, that we, as part of this, and that's the thing that we've been able to show the community, is just because we said this was gonna be our plan, we always told them there was room for growth, Mm -hmm. there was room for improvement. There's gonna be It's not final, there's gonna be route changes. And that's one thing as the agency lead that I try to push now, is I never want us to become stale again. Mm. We have- We have got to be proactive. Mm We get data. We have passenger counters. We need to look at that data. We study that data. That data is going to show us what our ridership is doing. And that means that every six months that we need to go in and do some kind of small reboot, change a route, pull service here, add service there, look at heat maps. Whatever we need to do, I want that information presented. And that's one thing that I made a promise to the community is that we won't let them down again we won't run operate service for 25 years again right and just add a route and not go in and do that reboot so we won't have to do this large scale reboot again and change every route in the city on one day i think we can do small reboots get your input so we still try to go at least once or twice a year now to those communities and just sit down and have those conversations if it's working if it's not working
0: so how long was that whole process because the end result was overnight you dropped your bus stops in half or more. You changed most of the routes in the city. How long did that whole process take to do to get there?
1: So that whole process started in early 2013, and we concluded with. The opening service in November twenty seventeen. So right a four year process. Yeah. I mean it's not a short process. It's a lot of studying, it's a lot of work. Two hundred some meetings, right? Two hundred some meetings, man hours you're gonna put in. Yeah. And and did you have a dedicated team or was it your existing staff? It was my existing staff. You know, we had consultants on the project, but you know, a lot of the things the consultants brought back to us. You know, one thing that I believe has been in the positions that we are as at our agencies is you don't send consultants to your community to talk about what needs to happen. Thank you you need to go to the community and discuss what happens. That's leadership. And and so, you know, there were meetings where I went in, and a lot of people didn't like what I said. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't happy. But those are the people that after the meeting, when they stood up and they made, I made a beeline to. I went to that person. I said, you know what? Hey, I want you to come sit down and talk to us. Another thing that we did that I think was very successful in this transition process is we created a transit improvement committee. We still have this committee now. Mm. I think you need to have something outside of your board, outside of your staff, that really kind of focus on some of the needs that you have where you can have long, productive meetings to discuss some of this stuff even before you make it public. Like what kind of people were there? So are we, we worked with, we have about four hospital institutions, medical okay. institutions. In so the, in representatives the from there? So, so we got representatives from there. I didn't just want any representatives. I personally went and met with the CEOs of these organizations okay. and told them that I need them from one year. After after that year, uh, they could put somebody else on there, but I need you. The decision maker. I need the decision maker That's this great. year. Because when I, biggest you know my highest traffic stop is is lsu health center in shreveport okay you know that's i mean that's my i mean i need you there because when i do this this is gonna affect you (laughs) yes i need you pushing from your leadership at your position you know what do your employees need what does your patients need yeah And, and so Bringing them on, we worked with all the universities in our area. We worked, we got certain riders, we posted on every bus for certain riders to present to be a part of the transit. So we ended up with a group of about 20 people, mm. major employers in the city, hospitals, schools, school districts, and those citizens. And we brought some of our staff in and we put all these people around the table. So every time before we would present to the public, we brought all this information to them. We sat down, we vetted it together and they gave those those institutions, those school districts say, Hey, well we really use this route to get people into this school. You know, we have our own school buses, but we kinda depend on, you know, because we don't do not do the last mile of transportation if you stay within a mile of the school. We depend on this job. And if you make this change and you don't get them there to nine o'clock, so it kinda allowed us to vet before we even got to the that's community great. with a lot of How often did you meet with them, would you say? Uh, we met with them twice a month. Okay. That's and, good. and so yeah, very it was it was, it was a very active group and we still now we meet every quarter with that same group of people. Okay. And we talk about feedback. So we implemented on our website real through a system called Track It. We implemented um, real technology so that when people submit their com- complaints in, we can kind of have a trend and a track of what those complaints are. Have they become champions of your system? And They have. They've yeah. become tra- champions and it allows me to take what the customers are saying versus what the director's KPIs are, right. merge that down together and see,
0: what am I hearing the same yeah. about? So what were the changes? Walk me through how it's different today than what it was when you started this process. So you've already told me about the bus stops. What about the routes and the time, you so, know, headways? So, and all
1: so, stuff. so all headways are now under 25 minutes. Okay, so, beautiful. What was it before, like up to an hour? It could be a, over an hour. Wow. <laughs> it could be an hour. And I think our longest route was like an hour and 25 minutes. Like the loops around the city the kind around of The city was, of was an hour and 25 yeah. minutes. Yeah, so unnecessary, you, right? And when you break all that down and put it into smaller routes, we had to build these facilities we built three facilities one large intermodal facility that we've now partnered with greyhound and amtrak three-way service to bring service into working with a couple other partners to be in that facility shortly but also it made made for expansion for amtrak in the future for his training but with all that being said we built also two smaller facilities those were regions of the areas looking at suburbs Looking at what? Suburbs in the community. Okay. And one of the things we hadn't done was we hadn't, we hadn't focused on those suburbs. We grew a lot.
0: Yeah. You were in the city and not in the suburbs, right?
1: <laughs> we went in yeah. the suburbs. And, you know, we grew a lot. The cities grew a lot. We grew out. We added a line. We added 10 minutes to that bus route right. to get out there. Right. But nobody out there wanted to ride it because now it took an hour and 40 yeah. minutes to get yeah. back to where I wanted to go. So we looked at how do we put these small centers in place? That allows buses to now have connections and and more of a connector system to main hub if you need to right. but a lot of I mean a lot of the places that they wanted to go, we just need to build the right routes and right. that's what we got from those public meetings. we want to go through this area and we we filter you know that's like five high priority routes of areas that people want to go and we have, we have from all facilities we have service going to those high priority areas. Of course, there's going to be some areas that we don't touch, so you might have to transfer facilities. But I mean, that's minimal when it, when you look back at how do you truly build your network?
0: Yes. And where do people want to go? Are, are you have you changed some of the routes to where you don't need a schedule? The bus just comes every 15 minutes. So, like so we have several ra- we have several routes like
1: that. So one of the things we put in is a new downtown circulator. Our main transfer hub used to be in the downtown area. A lot of people are saying, well, people are moving to downtown. Well. I hear what they're saying across America. Well, right. That's wonderful. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> in Shreveport, that's not what the people want. Okay. The people want the facility where they wanted the facility where they're where, at. Where right? they're at. Yeah. People weren't in downtown. You know, our Downtown is revitalizing and going through a lot of things. So how do we be more progressive? So we looked at and that downtown circulator service, said we'll have a bus hit every stop every 10 minutes. That's but beautiful. how frequently that commutes back to our intermodal terminal. That was one of those things we, we put in without a schedule. We also did uh, commuter routes between helps that are not on on schedules. We okay. have one between our Southwest hub that h- hits every six minutes. So if you end up at another facility, right. uh, you need to transfer to another route. It's only six minutes delay from you getting to that facility till you get into another facility. We right. have a six minute hitway and we have one in one of our other counties that was counted far out, which was Boulder Parish. There's a 10 minute hitway on
0: there that you get from that facility back into our main intermodal facility. So you, so, got, you got a lot of the routes that are coming into hubs, mm-hmm. a spoken hub network, so to speak. So they're shorter. Mm-hmm and then you can transfer if you need to go somewhere else. Yes. And so what's the end result? Ridership is up, right? Ridership Tell is me about way that. up.
1: I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling to see your ridership starting to go up again. Um, I've shared with so many, you know, one of the disheartening things that I had when I first took over the agency is to see ridership just on a steady decline. I'm like, well, something has happened here. You know, I realize that across America, there's different and there's changes that are happening, um, but we can do something here. And with all the things that we've done, and the changes that we have made, uh, I think honestly, the ridership growth at this point—you know, you're up thirty thousand a month—is huge. That is huge. Uh, yeah, I mean that—that that, that's huge. And yep. and we attribute that to we put the people's plan, the people's vision, and we're hearing them. You know, we're still hearing them. Right. And we're still going to make those changes that they want to make. And I think that is going to be what is going to create these networks. Not only do you listen to the people, I need to make sure I say this. Not only do you listen to the people but you also listen at your staff. Yes. Because they're gonna give you information, even if you enact some of this stuff. You know, if, you, if you're if you open with your staff, they're gonna come back and give you the real feedback. Yeah. You need to cut this route. You need to change this. I think if we went down this road here, I'm just dead between here and there. Right. But if we went down here and looped around here, this would pick up, you know. We've that's done cool. a lot of those things and going back and looking at that, that's why we see the trend of ridership increasing because we're listening to people. We're and listening to
0: staff and we're making those adjustments and and i i was impressed that you told me you have a good partnership with your union and you've created a new health center tell them how that works how that's going to work or is working so what we have done is we worked closely with our ATU partners and
1: one of the things we wanted to do was i approached the union president one day and i say hey you know you're always talking about we need some kind of wellness program Guess what, I have a new facility where we're bringing online, we're renovating, and we want to make a wellness center for the employees. What can we do in order to um, partner? So they have, because we're not allowed to go out in the community as an authority to advocate for different funding and different things. So, But we put that out for ATU, and they went out to different community partners and some of their resources and collected funds to buy all the exercise equipment to put into the new wellness center, which doesn't make us spend public funds on putting exercise equipment in, but it brings on... A wellness program for them we put in a quiet room for them in this facility and it, it gives back to your staff i mean these are the people who takes care of our citizens every day takes care of the executive staff every day because without them system does not move uh and, and to give back to them in this way i think is great and uh, and it's, it's it goes from you know sport train always saying no to sport train is finally saying yes I've, I've heard that so many times um throughout the community is well you told us no well we're here now to say, yes, what can we do? I don't want to just tell you no. I want to say, what can we do together as a partnership? That's great. One last question is, what's next for your agency? Uh, AVs, what's coming next? So what's next is is, is we're looking at several different um, concept forest facilities, looking at working on food deserts, things that are somewhat, people say are outside of transit, but I say they're inside of transit because I'm kind of the out-of-the-box type person. And I believe that you know if you bring people somewhere, you need to provide them the resources. So let's create a multimodal resource center that brings those agencies and resources that transit passengers need all into one facility to try to help with their daily commute. That they don't have to get off three or four different places to go places. Some of those resources are right there in the facility. Bring food into those facilities. But not only do that, let's create opportunities. Let's create uh, different modes of transportation that's outside that that gives them something fun and new so one of the things we're looking at running from this new multimodal resource center is AV transportation we're autonomous gonna,
0: vehicles autonomous
1: vehicles streetport is a heavy casino town okay and we have seven riverboat casinos in the area um so right now we're looking at how can we run between our intermodal terminal which is only about a mile from these riverboats and create a route that serves the casino district on high frequency as well as serve the intermodal terminal. and helps out with the downtown circulator service, so it's a new option. It gives option to food, because we're a lot of casinos. Casinos might not agree with me, but everybody don't want casino food all the time, so we're trying to figure out how do we put people on transit. Everybody's not gonna try transit, but if you you set the means and modes for additional, additional type transportation, I think it opens new doors for people who are non-transit riders. So maybe say, well, let me hop on this autonomous shuttle and just see. And then they might ride to that food court one day and it's like, oh, this is not too bad. Yeah. And maybe they might move over to one of my electric buses one day. Let me just try that dick electric bus. Uh-huh. And maybe they'll ride that transit bus. Maybe they'll they'll ride to festivals if they're not at everyday transit riders. So what I'm trying to do is open up means resources that will attract the non-traditional riders but also take care of the current transit riders yeah and that's my main goal in putting the new system together so opportunities that's where we're headed we're headed for this resource center for our passengers we're headed to attract new passengers and we're looking heavily at how do we look at what's the future of public transportation for us
0: vehicles that's awesome well Tenera, thanks for being with us today you yeah. We did something today that I haven't done on many of these episodes, which is walk uh, our listeners through the steps that are necessary to make big change in a transit system. Sounds like you've gone through them very well, and you've got a great vision for the future. Thanks for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. We appreciate it.
1: You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.